time, it sounds cliche, but the value of, of someone's time and not just my time. I mean, if I'm asking someone to help me with something like really saying, look around your parameters, you know, if, if it doesn't work, tell me it doesn't work. But yeah. I, I think that is uh, placing a value on relationships and placing a value on time. Welcome to How Do You Feel, a podcast with info and inspo to help you tune in to your fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I'm your host, Casey Zavaleta, and together we'll explore how we can optimize our physical and mental health so that we radiate positivity and happiness from the inside out. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I am very excited to announce our brand new podcast sponsor, which is Oat Canada. Everything that I say on the podcast, I stand behind 100%. Every guest that I have on the podcast, I have on because I respect them and I respect their opinion on the topic that we're going to be discussing. Similarly, I did not take choosing a podcast sponsor lightly. In choosing a sponsor, I wanted to find a brand that I believe in, a brand whose story I think is special, and a brand who's doing something that I think can benefit people and can really make some waves in the fitness and wellness industry. So that is why I am so excited to introduce Oat Canada, which is an oat milk And since I'm going to be talking about the brand in the coming episodes, I wanted everyone to kind of get to hear a little bit about their story, and I wanted the listeners to get the chance to understand why I fell in love with the founders and with the product and with the brand itself. So to start off this episode today, we're going to be speaking with Jamari, who is one of the founders of Oat Canada, just so we can hear the Oat Canada story, because I think it's important. And I want everyone to know why I'm partnering with this brand because I wouldn't just partner with any brand. So to start off this episode, we're going to launch into a mini interview with Jamari from Oat Canada. I hope you guys enjoy. Hi, Jamari. Welcome to How Do You Feel? I'm so excited to get to chat with you today and to get to kind of spotlight this new partnership that's going to evolve between How Do You Feel and Oat Canada. So welcome. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, of course. We've gotten the chance to speak a little bit, but I really wanted to get you on here to be able to address the listeners because I love the story behind Oak Canada and what you guys are all about. So let's kind of start with the story behind the product and behind this emerging brand that you guys have. You're relatively new. Where did the inspiration for Oak Canada come from and what need do you feel like you're addressing with your, with your main product? Oak Canada is fundamentally built on great habits. My wife and I, we both like to say this. So when we first got married, we actually met in high school. It was an I. We're high school sweethearts. Uh, we've been together for about 12 years. And in that time, we really decided the moment we got married, we were going to start, you know, changing a lot of things in our lives and started building some really great habits. One of those habits were the decision to eat healthier. So we started to pay attention to some of the things we were putting in our bodies. And within four years of marriage, we were actually able to save about two hundred thousand dollars. Amazing. And that habit kind of led to other things as well. So once we started saving, we started eating better. And once we started eating better, we started paying attention to a little bit more about the things that were taking place in the planet and how we could do our part. 
and we stumbled across oat milk and we fell in love with it. And one of the decisions we made when we started to eat healthier was that we were going to cut down sugar. Um, and that was kind of a commitment for, our, for both of us because, you know, sugar is in everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and oat milk, unfortunately, as great as it is, it's typically really high in carbohydrates and it's really high in sugar. So our entrepreneurial minds, you know, we're always thinking of ways that we can improve certain things. And we looked at oat milk and we said, we know this is a growing category, but we wonder if anyone is really addressing the need for less sugar or zero grams of sugar. So we started researching a little bit more and we didn't find anything that we liked, but we really loved oat milk because I personally, I'm lactose and Eloise has a nut allergy. So almond milk is a no-go for her. And I'm not a huge fan of almond milk to begin with. And coconut milk is an acquired taste. So we started figuring out ways that we can create our ideal version of oat milk that we liked. So we worked in our kitchen like mad scientists for about a year trying to figure out something until we finally met up with some real mad scientists. And then we were able and we were able to create a formula or a process um, or so something that we felt was really, really competitive. And we did a small scale production run and we then ended up pitching that to a couple of different uh, coffee shops in the city. And that was before COVID was really, really bad. We ended up actually doing our production run in December of 2019. And then we started pitching to all of these coffee shops during that time. And then we started seeing things start to really, really get you know, worse in Toronto. And we, we thought, you know, just in case this ends up hurting food service, we might need to pivot and get into retail. So we quickly contacted Costco and a few other retailers. Um, and then even the Costco story is kind of crazy. And we ended up pitching to Costco. And luckily for us, the rest is history. And we ended up getting into Costco from a product that we started, you know, only two months ago. So the idea was there and we were working on it in our kitchen. So it was between our kitchen and the food scientist for about a year. And then the actual product has only been in market for about two months. And Costco is our first client. Cool. I love how you guys totally bootstrapped this out of your kitchen and how it emerged from such a personal need. I don't have a nut allergy or anything, but I find oat milk to be the best tasting and the creamiest. It's 100% my favorite non-dairy milk. But it's interesting because it does always have a, such a high percentage of carbohydrates mm-hmm. and so much sugar in it. So can you just give us kind of like the short sort of boiled down version of how you guys are able to actually get your product to be zero grams of sugar when most other oat milks are like, I mean, we're talking anywhere from like 10 to 15, maybe 16 grams of sugar. Crazy. For sure. Yeah, this yeah. is a great question. So most oat milks, if, you'll, if you actually read the nutrition facts, you'll find that it says either like gluten-free oats or just oats in general, and it doesn't really specify what type of oat it is. So whenever you're sourcing oats, they're always going to be really high in carbohydrates. The process that we have is we actually, we actually extract a particular component of the oats that we need, which focuses more on protein and less on the carbohydrates, which is why whenever you look at our product, you actually see less carbs and you'll see less sugar there's more starch in oats than anything else, right? So Mm -hmm. the starch is automatically going to get converted into sugar. It's at the end of the day, sugar is still sugar. So a lot of people will say, well, the complex carbs and there's, it's a, it's a like, but at the end of the day, personally, for me, when I'm looking at oat milk, it's still sugar and you don't need sugar in your, the things that we're applying it in, if we're having cereal, if we're having smoothies and all of these things already have sugar and you think about how often you use milk in general like most people use milk as a staple it's used in their coffee their tea throughout the day and if you're replacing that and that thing that you have has a bunch of sugar in it that starts to add up Um, and a lot of people don't know that actually 36 percent of sugar consumption actually comes from beverages and milk actually sits at second to soft drinks 
So if you're ever thinking about switching from dairy to, to non-dairy, that's actually a really great stat to follow. But um, Oak Canada, we really try to create products that people love that actually help them to optimize their health. And one of the ways we do that is by giving you low sugar or no sugar products. I love that you guys are a husband and wife team. I think that's amazing. Uh, but can you tell me a little bit more about who you are, who Eloise is, and how you guys, like what you guys kind of each bring to the table to make up this, this business? Yeah, so Eloise is a rock star. She's awesome. She's really the, the driving force behind the company. I'm, I'm more like the operational guy. Whenever you see anything design or, so anything that consumer sees, Eloise is responsible for. So she, her actual passion is product design. She does end-to-end -end product design. So she really pays attention to user experience and how do people actually communicate with the packaging. She thinks about everything. And then for me, I'm, I'm really the guy that's trying to create products that I think people will really love and, and are passionate about. And then I try to make those connections to make sure that people have access to those products. One of the things we, we, we actually put on the packaging was this milk. This drink actually did not come from the lacteal secretion of a postpartum female mammal, <laughs> which is actually ironically the definition of, of dairy. So dairy is a lacteal secretion from a female mammal. And we, we kind of play on off of that because it sounds gross and it is gross. It sounds terrible. So yeah. we let people know well, if that's their definition, that's not at all what we are. So a lot of people actually thought that was clever. And, and we, try to, we try to humor consumers in that way and just delight them in our packaging. And, and that's that's something Eloise is really great at, but I think we, we work in unison just because we both offer different things, but ultimately we have the same goal, you know, and, and as much as we love Oak Canada, I think the most important thing for us is just each other and the happiness that we get from working together. And I think that's the most important thing for both of us. You know, it doesn't mean anything if she's not happy for me. And I think it goes the same thing for her. So we're just happy that we're able to actually work together and, and, you know, offer something to Canadians that we are really, really passionate and proud about. So. Yeah, that's so cool. I love that perspective on it. How at the end of the day, you've got to be happy with where you're going. You've got to have this shared vision and you have to be happy with the work that you're both doing in order to kind of make this partnership work. It makes total sure. sense. Yeah. Obviously this came out of a bit of a personal need for you as you're lactose intolerant and she has this nut allergy. What else causes you to kind of believe in this product. I know when we talked before, you talked a little bit about health issues in your family and how health and wellness is a, a huge passion of yours because of that. Can you just speak to that a little bit as well? Yeah. So diabetes actually runs in both of our families. Um, so I've watched my grandmother for years kind of just suffer with diabetes and Eloise's mom actually was just diagnosed with diabetes not too long ago. So we're really, really passionate about having low sugar products. So I, I think like for us, Again, it always just comes down to how can you all help people to optimize their health without disrupting their lifestyle. So we wanted to make this feel as seamless as, seamless as possible. So like Oat Canada, you, you're almost cutting out sugar without even knowing you're cutting out sugar, right? It's like if you're pouring it in a smoothie, it doesn't feel like you're sacrificing much because it's a base um, and your, your fruits are going to have sugar. And if you're using it in oatmeal, oatmeals typically have added sugars and things in them anyway. So we're always trying to create things that optimize without disruption. Um, and that's really what drives us. And we create products that we love. And again, like it, a lot of that comes down to our personal experiences going back to our families. And those were the first people we actually tested the product on. And, and we just gave it to Eloise's mom and we gave it to my grandma and we got the thumb of approval and we we're off to the races. So that's, uh, that's where we are now. And, and we're really just trying to build the brand and get it out there as much as we can. 
Yeah, I love it. So exciting. That's great. I know this business is still so young, but if you could think a couple of years down the road, what is your vision for the business? Like, where do you hope this goes? We always talk about how we envision a Canada where, you know, plant protein, specifically oat protein, is the norm. And oat Canada is, is Canadian's trusted source of that protein. And our products offer, you know, optimal health. The availability is there. And, and I think that we're, we're on our way there. You know, we really want to innovate in this space. We feel like there's a lot of innovation that's already taking place, but we're taking it to the next level. Oat milk was already something that we felt was great. And now we're just trying to make it better. So it's like, here's what oat milk can offer you. And now here's the next level of what we think oat milk is. Um, you think of some of the people who actually early adopters of oat milk, they were typically, you know, prior. So my generation is generation Z. I think that's generation X, if I'm not mistaken. Eloise, is that, is that generation X? Generation Z is, is my wife's sister's generation. So they were some of the, actually the early adopters of oat milk. And they weren't necessarily looking at the health benefits, but more so just like the sustainability behind oat milk, mm-hmm. um, which is also one of the reasons Eloise and I got into it as well. But for us, it was mostly about health. Um, but we, we really believe that what we're offering right now from a health perspective is, is, is the best. With our, with our ice cream, for example, you know, we're planning on having an, the first keto plant-based ice cream that doesn't exist. Um, so it's, it's like low carbohydrate ice cream, low sugar ice cream that tastes great. It's almost unheard of, but that's the type of innovation that we're aiming for. And that's what kind of keeps us up at night where we're just like, that's why we do what we do. We want to take everything to the next level. So having a zero grams of sugar chocolate milk that tastes great, that actually is kind of sweet, but it's not sweetened from refined sugars is also another goal of ours. So it's just those types of things that we're always trying to push the, trying to push the, the boundaries. So Cool. So exciting. I'm a huge yeah. fan of your oat milk and I can't wait to try all of those other products. They sound great. That's Thanks awesome. So if people want to learn more about Oat Canada, where can they go to do that? Or if they want to buy Oat Canada, is it exclusively available in Costco right now as far as retail is concerned? Can you just tell us kind of about the availability of it? Yeah. So like you said, in terms of retail, we're exclusively at Costco right now. We are working with a couple of online retailers and we also are working on setting up our own online within the coming months. Um, actually very soon we'll also be working with a couple of other retailers outside of Costco so all of these things were kind of just like happening behind the scenes but we really wanted to focus our efforts on Costco and giving people the opportunity to so for us the the biggest thing was the exclusive part we didn't want to have our product available everywhere that was kind of a strategy of ours and you're probably wondering like why most companies want to be everywhere we didn't want that in the first place we kind of wanted to have a core group of people who knew about our product, appreciated it. We can get, you know, more feedback on how we can improve what we can do. And then we took that and now we kind of applied that into other products as well. Whereas if we were everywhere, we'd have to manage that. And we don't necessarily have the quality that's there, but we are everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, So right now we're not everywhere, but we also get to offer a quality product and kind of more focused and concentrated. We are rolling out very soon. You'll start to see it popping up into other retailers. Uh, but right now it is just Costco. It's select Costco locations. And you can get that information on our website. It's also available on our Instagram. Those typically are the two places where we update um, our consumers. That's what we're working on right now. And, and you'll start to see more products popping up soon, very, very soon. Cool. We'll get all that linked up in the show notes. Jamari, yeah. this has been awesome. It's been so fun to learn more about Oak Canada and who you guys are. And I just want to say, I love that you kind of led in with the importance of small habits and how small habits can add up over time and how that's a value of yours and of your wife's. Personally, that's an area that I've been diving into a lot. It's just 
such an important concept. And I love that you're kind of taking the angle of addressing it through a product that you can get in the habit of using to have less sugar in your life and how that can add up and have health benefits over time. So I love it. I'm a big supporter. Thank you so much, Casey. Yeah, of course. This has been awesome. Thanks, Jamari. No problem. Thank you. All right, everyone. I hope that you enjoyed hearing from Jamari from Oat Canada. Next up on this episode, I'm really excited to introduce the main event, my main guest of the podcast. This week, I spoke with Greg Hetherington, who is the owner and founder of Fuel, which is a boutique fitness gym. Actually, it's a series of gyms. There are three locations in downtown Toronto. Greg obtained his degree in kinesiology from McGill University, and then he went on to play in the CFL. And he was also named one of Toronto's top 10 trainers and is taking his extensive knowledge and experience to form Toronto's most exclusive training club. His mission is to show people how to integrate fitness into their lifestyle. And at Fuel, they provide a really unique and high quality workout experience. And you guys will get to hear more about Fuel in this episode. Greg is someone who I respect so much in this industry. I think that he's a very smart and thoughtful individual. So I was really looking forward to this conversation with him and I'm even more excited to share it with you guys. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Greg Hetherington. Hi Greg, welcome to the How Do You Feel podcast. I'm really excited to get to chat with you today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Of course, you've been in the back of my head as someone that I wanted to get on the podcast for a while now. So I'm definitely looking forward to this conversation. I know that you have a lot of experience and knowledge when it comes to fitness and teams and the industry in general. So I'm excited to see where this conversation goes. Yeah, likewise. So the world is kind of a crazy place right now. So I just want to start off by asking, how do you feel about the state of affairs in the world? I think probably the same as just about everyone else. Uh, uncertainty, little apprehension, and especially with everything now changing, reopening, which is which is great, but it just seems some people might not be ready for it or some people have been ready for it for a while and it's a almost like a clash. So it's now, it, at least for the past three, four months, as, as challenging it was, it, there was some consistency there. Now it's it's up in the air again. So I think anything that is not consistent always creates a little bit of uh, turbulence. Yeah, for sure. It feels like we got in a little bit of a groove of everything being shut down and we kind of were finally in a rhythm and people had their routine Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden things started opening and we're back, like you just said, into this chaos. How do you feel like the situation with COVID has changed the fitness industry? And the reason I ask that is because as things do open up, and I know we're still so early on in opening up, I just have this sense that there are gonna be some longer term changes in the industry and the way that people do things than maybe we realized going in. So what's your perspective on that? I think similar to the, you know, the previous uh, answer is un- uncertainty. I think I think there's de- there's definitely some certainty. Like the online or hybrid model is definitely going to take a, be a big part of fitness going forward. As far as in person experiences and how those different gym models will work, mm-hmm. I think those have to play the course and and just you know trial and error. What are people willing? To, to do by going into bricks and mortar spaces to work out with how many people and, and what types of classes. And 
I think it's we're starting to see it now. What one of the fortunate things being in Canada is we're lagging behind. Some, I mean, when I say lagging behind, we're able to see what other countries have done. Maybe some of the mistakes mm-hmm. of reopening, uh, and even in this country, some of the mistakes of reopening. So, learning from that and seeing what's working at least allows us to go into an opening scenario with a little bit more experience as to what to expect. What do you feel like you've seen? that now you're not gonna do because it hasn't worked? I don't, I, you know what, I think it's too early to say what I wouldn't <laughs> do. I do think that some of the sanitization measures that a lot of a lot of businesses, not just gyms, are doing might turn out to be overkill as mm-hmm. far as, but at this time I think overkill is what helps people feel comfortable too. It's making people feel safe, right? right? Like that's, that's the real thing. Exactly. Yeah. So there's this, the perception is an important part of, of safety and operating the business. So that, that I think is, is important. So as far as what I wouldn't do, I think what, what I would like to do is cater to the most cautious person. So someone who is, is concerned about, you know, what they could contract or what could happen, transpire, what can we do to help make that individual feel safe? Because if we can make that individual individual feel safe, then everyone else will also feel safe. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, going to the most extreme case for sure. How have you guys been able to use, like leverage the online now part of your business for All Day Fit? We launched a whole new side of the business. I mean, the online hub became a whole new thing that I think will now stay. Has Fuel had a similar experience? Absolutely. I think even right now we are now it's it's a fully a hybrid model since you know we opened in August, beginning of August. It is it is going to continue, and I think it's something where we're seeing people who are participating both in class, in studio class, um, fitness, and then also online. What makeup of the business is that going to be has has uh, yet to be determined. But I mean, I'm operating out of my garage now, right? Because we have classes going on here when we run the online class. Right. So effectively, <laughs> joke around, it's our fourth location. You know, we've managed yeah. to expand <laughs> somehow. Uh, but I, I think you know the online will play it will play a big part, especially as we see our member base either come into the class or not come into the class. Like, uh, most people in our downtown locations live downtown. There mm-hmm. are a number of people who are traveling downtown who obviously aren't traveling downtown right now, so there's no need for them to come to the gym. In that regard, those individuals probably aren't going to gyms right away. But yeah. for those who've been living downtown and it's within walking distance, then then those are the individuals. I think the businesses are gonna shift a little bit, cater, and not that they don't already, but more specifically to people who live as opposed to live work. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's a group of people that have now realized the convenience of training at home and how they can still get a decent workout at home that are now going to say, you know what, going to the gym is kind of a hassle and I just don't really feel like doing it as much anymore? A hundred percent. I think anyone who worked in the industry knew that you could work out at home and you, you know, because anyone who's in the yeah. industry could probably work out on their own and feel like they get a good workout. But that is why we're in the industry is to help teach other people that they can do that as well to give them you know the autonomy to do these workouts but with the convenience and the fact that you can create some form of community and you can create some form of relationships i I, i've been training people i've never met you know that's never happened i've always met people that i've trained right Mm -hmm. and when i say that i mean physically i've haven't met yeah so building those relationships was is brand new and i think a large uh, subset will also find that it's just more convenient. So some days it's nice to come in and do barbell work and you know use pull-up bars and use some of the equipment that you wouldn't otherwise get in, in your, your condo or even with the state of condo gyms. But mm-hmm. 
even right now that's true and the weather's great you know if you wake up at six in the morning and it's minus 40 degrees you probably have a lot more incentive to stay home and work out you know knowing sure. that because at least you're going to do it as opposed <laughs> yeah. to no show your class and you don't want to be exposed to the winter elements yeah you say that like we knew that you can get a good workout at home but <laughs> i actually feel like i kind of learned that too like mm -hmm. i was pretty resistant to it until i had to do it i got mm -hmm. a couple of kettlebells and all of a sudden i created an entire training program for right. myself at home so i feel like even my eyes were quite opened to the fact that you can do it at home and also open to the potential of online training. Mm -hmm. I probably had COVID not happened, would have said, yeah, there's no way I'm teaching an online class. I won't feel connected to people. I would have made all these assumptions, but I've learned that that's actually not true. And like you're saying, like you can still create some sense of community. It's a little bit different, but you definitely can. Mm -hmm. Was there anything that you learned about online training that surprised you? Everything. I mean, funny enough, full circle, I started with an online fitness business 10 years ago. Oh, and when I, didn't I say know that. started with an online fitness business, it really wasn't generating any revenue. Yeah. <laughs> it was creating programs for people online to follow. Mm -hmm. And that was really the beginning of my experience. I was doing some personal training as well, but as far as, you know, stepping out on my own a bit. And I realized how inefficient it was to to build programs for individuals and how you needed to create some you need to scale it, you had to create, you couldn't customize every workout for every individual. And here I am back, you know, in that same position, realizing that there, it's not that it didn't work, I just didn't figure out how to make it work. And and uh, and this has provided an opportunity to see what, what did I learn in that experience? What have I learned in the in-person experience over the past decade? And and now, you know, given conforming to these, these new parameters, what can you do online? So yeah, on what, I don't know if it's so much what had surprised me, I think there's now there's there's different, normally you would have just classified online workouts or at-home workouts as Insanity or P90X or Peloton, right? And now there's all these new branches emerging. So the market, mm -hmm. the size of the market has grown. There's more niches that are, that are coming out. So people are carving out all these different segments. It's a little bit, you know, like, I, I don't know if I would say prospecting during a gold rush, but there are a lot of unfound, I think, aspects of online training that have yet to be discovered. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. What did you do before you were a trainer? Uh, <laughs> school, basically. Well, I, okay, I, okay. yeah, no, I, I, I started playing. So I played football through university and then um, played in the CFL for three years. And that's also when I started training. So it was for me, it's been an athletic background, you know, 20 years, I, I would it. say, since it's been yeah almost 20 years. Yeah. So training with a trainer competitively and, and, and doing that. So I guess all of that experience has been slowly building up into my views and values and, and beliefs on, on training methodologies and now training mediums. Mm -hmm. How would you define your values when it comes to training? We have, well, I'll have to, you know, a, a plug for fuel. You know, the first value we have here is building relationships. The second one is prioritizing movement quality. And the third one is helping people be better. So that for me is the training aspect and why we do these these small group classes is that's how you can can develop these real relationships and for us it's we want to be able to recognize everyone who comes in and get to know everyone who comes in and, and we want the same of them and that's mm -hmm. part of the experience has that's that's the big adjustment now is how is that going to work you know how do you in one-on-one -on -one training you know two people are, are easier to manage you can build those relationships but now in a smaller group it's uh you know what size you know how close can people get there's 
there's all of these these new undiscovered you know ways to to run the business so i think that's probably although not completely online that's been the surprise and now you have to figure out a model that previously worked and see if it's still going to right correct me if i'm wrong but i've heard that you are someone who is very interested and very driven by data is that true <laughs> yeah, that's a good. I, I, yeah, okay. Is that right? I, I, that's fairly accurate. <laughs> okay. I think anyone who knows me would also laugh and say that might be an understatement. But yeah. Okay. <laughs> good. Then I'm glad I'm going in this direction. How do you use data in your life? Like, why are you so interested in data and numbers, and how do you use it to then inform what you decide to do? Well, I guess my answer to that was I would hope that most people use data to help make informed decisions. But at the same time, for me personally, it is from a business standpoint. It's how we see our progress. It's how we see how each of us are doing individually. It's how we measure really, really everything, right? Otherwise, it's just speculation. So, you know, data pre-COVID in regular classes, our you know key performance indicators were number of members that you would have, uh, mm-hmm. number of visits that a specific trainer has, you know, relative to the number of spaces in a class. So these numbers help us on the objective side. But then there's also the subjective, you know, the the experience that someone has is unique and can't always be defined by a set of numbers. So getting feedback from individuals, you know, how was your experience? Mm -hmm. What could we have done to improve that? So all of that helps form what we were doing and to to develop what we're doing. Mm -hmm. It's good feedback, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. How do you use data personally? Well, if you take like fitness not, trackers aside, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like not business side. <laughs> not business. Yeah. Uh, well, so part of it, I know it's not business, but I feel like because fitness is such a big part of my lifestyle that, you know, for me, tracking my progress from a fitness standpoint, you know, if I'm, if I'm running, what my 400 meter times are, if I'm lifting, how much weight I'm lifting. It's not that everything has to be completely data oriented. You know, I'm not a complete robot, but it is... <laughs> You know, I was just, we, so my, my son, he's four, we're, you know, we potty trained him. So it was a board that we would check off, you know, if you had five days in a row with dry pants, you know, you got it. So that was my, I guess that's my first in getting, getting him introduction yeah. to some objective goals. I realized I did that without even realizing it, but yeah. <laughs> that's great. You got him on a habit tracker already. Exactly. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. Behavior. Yeah. That's pretty good. In what scenarios do numbers not tell the whole picture? I think in that, in a, in a feedback scenario, and then also, you know, you and I were discussing, we, we, we surveyed our members, actually not just our members, but most anyone who had come into Fuel and asked, what's your general level of readiness to come back into a gym? And I think that was, that's it's somewhat overestimated with people's level of comfort to come back to the gym. So I think mm. in circumstances, mm. you can have numbers given to you, but interpreting them just based on the numbers doesn't give you the whole picture. You have to have some practical experience there. So I think you, most people, myself, subject to it, you can't be blinded simply by what a number tells you. You have to be able to evaluate it and see what other angles there are to that number. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's an amazing perspective. I think that's that's my small apprehension with numbers. It's just that sometimes, like you have to make sure you're tracking the right metric. Right, yeah. Because <laughs> if you chase a metric for the sake of chasing the metric, if it's not actually indicating the experience or the quality of the experience, then what are you doing, right? You're putting the value on the wrong thing. So you have to be really careful. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think that happens with fitness trackers a lot for people. They get whatever fitness tracker and then there's one specific metric and then they get so honed in on that one thing at the expense of a lot of other Mm -hmm. things. And we're not seeing the big picture of 
how is this actually impacting you and your life? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. Steps, calories, weight. Those are like the, the three. I'm sure that there's more too, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That people get like so dialed in on. Mm-hmm. You're a dad of two kids? Yes. You have a second? <laughs> who's Daughter. Yeah. She's two. Okay. Okay. Nice. So you're a dad of two young kids. Yeah. You're managing the business, which launched online. You've got how many trainers at Fuel right now? Ten now. Okay, ten trainers at Fuel. How do you manage all the stuff? Lately, it's been challenging. Lately, it's been challenging since this. I, I think uh, you just have to find you just find ways to make it happen, or it doesn't happen. So, whatever time there is, you learn to be a little bit more efficient. Sort of what mm-hmm. what you know I value more now than ever is really that time management. I thought after having kids time management became a important part but now with this it's even more more important Mm -hmm. so yeah i think i think i don't i don't have the answer to that question because i haven't figured it all out (laughs) i haven't i haven't found a i'm very you know i I like routine i mean spontaneity is important as well but especially from a a, uh, professional standpoint having some consistency and uh, methodology to what we're doing has just it hasn't yet been established in the past five months so i haven't figured it out yet yeah do you have a personal system to manage your time? How do you? Yeah, do that? digital Google Calendar. Yeah, good old Google <laughs> Pretty Calendar. Pretty much. Uh, <laughs> after my my first, after my son was born, it was I didn't do this as often as I should have been, but would have blo- you know scheduled blocks during days. So certain days would be associated to meetings. Certain days mm-hmm. would be associated mm-hmm. to something offsite. It was just now it, it's really I will I'm just a little more diligent with those blocks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I've kind of gotten in that habit as well, actually, of saying like, this is a work block and mm-hmm. like very focused time. And then, you know, allowing there to be fluidity throughout the, the rest of the week or the rest of the day. It's interesting. They say that if you have a task to do, if you have an hour to do it, you'll do it in an hour. If you have 15 minutes to do it, you'll do it in 15 minutes. And I bet having two young kids, you've like definitely learned that. <laughs> well, yeah, that's just it. Back to your question. Like I haven't figured it out, but the, you just, you just do. Yeah. That's, uh, I think saying no to things as well has been even, even more important. That is, I learned that after opening our first location, I used to say yes to everything. I'm like, oh, this is great. You know, meeting here and do this. And then all of a sudden you've got no time and you're, 80% of things you're working on aren't helping you progress. Saying saying no lots of time has been uh, even more important lately. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you said yes to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I made the yes list. That makes sense. If you could think back to like your last 10 years in business, what's something that you feel like you used to place a lot of value on, but you don't nearly as much anymore? I think I look at it the other way around. What do I value more versus what do I value less? Like, yeah. I, uh, I think I value, I've always, relationships have always been important, especially in, in a, a business structure like this where we're not, it's not one big gym where everyone is in all the time. So a team of 10 trainers doesn't, we don't see each other every day, mm-hmm. like some gyms mm-hmm. would. Mm-hmm. So right. how do you focus right. on creating relationships, being one of, you know, our, our, our core value? And that, has been important. So more touch points, more frequent touch points and time. It sounds cliche, but the value of, of someone's time and not just my time. I mean, if I'm asking someone to help me with something like really saying, look around your parameters, you know, if, if it doesn't work, tell me it doesn't work. But yeah. I, I think that is uh, placing a value on relationships and placing a value on time. Yeah. Time is a big one. It's the one, it's the one thing that we're not going to get back. 
Yeah, you know? exactly. I, I think that I'm, I still am this way, but I've, I'm more aware and working on changing it. But I, I can relate in that I very much used to be a, a yes person and I wasn't valuing my own time enough. And therefore, it means that others don't value your time enough either. Exactly. So yeah. you have to lay those ground rules, right? Of Yeah, just I think setting the boundaries of saying no to things, but also what that allows you to do and this is the thing that i that i've learned and the reason that i'm really leaning into it it also allows you to then when you do show up you show up 100 percent. you're fully there and you're fully present mm -hmm. yeah instead of your 50 percent self doing all the things you know no absolutely you definitely yeah you take then you dedicate yourself to that time when you do it mm -hmm. yeah exactly and it's much more purposeful i feel how do you work to cultivate a sense of team among fuel trainers? Because, yeah, as you're saying that, the model is that, you know, you've got one trainer in to teach a class every hour, and it's not necessarily the type of gym space where you're all in the same space working together. So what are the ways that you work to do that? That's probably been one of the most challenging aspects of our team is, is for a a business that values relationships. How can we create those relationships ourselves? And I'm fortunate enough that I, our team, I've known longer, most of them longer than fuel has existed. So those relationships pre-existed fuel. Mm -hmm. uh, but for, for us to continue to build on those relationships and we always say, you know, relationships don't stay the same. They either get better or they get worse. So how can you, when you see someone, how can you always improve that relationship? And same goes for mm -hmm. our team. So for us, we do have weekly uh, I mean, from a professional side, we have weekly huddles where we, we check in digitally because it's just impossible that we're across the city to yeah. all get in the same place. Uh, but then we also try pre-COVID to do monthly, even more often, more frequently than, than monthly, but work out together as a team. Uh, who, you know, who'd figure that, you know, a bunch of trainers would like to work out together. Uh, <laughs> but then also do offsites. We try to do offsites together, whether it's, you know, holiday parties or volleyball or paddle boarding and just try to get off of the grid for, like from the fitness side i mean paddle boarding and volleyball is fitness related but i guess outside of the gym i should say <laughs> you do the yeah. workouts uh yeah. and i think just connecting making sure that for me everyone knows even though this is a business everyone is is valued here it's not it's not this is an employer contractor these are we're, we're colleagues everyone's there's it's a it's a level hierarchy. It's not a, you know, that you don't have these different levels where someone has to report in. I think that's also important is that everyone has the autonomy to make an impact on the business by uh, leading a class to their own potential and, you know, seeing, seeing that reward with people coming in and the relationships that are developed because of it. Mm -hmm. You brushed over this so quickly, so I want to come back to it because I love what you just said where every time you interact with someone, you're either making the relationship better or you're making the relationship worse. It's so true. Relationships are so dynamic. So it, I, I love that concept because it means that every interaction, you need to show up and you need to care and you need to put the thought into how do I make this better it's really mm -hmm. interesting i've never thought of i've never thought of relationships that way before i think it well it goes to what you're saying when you're when you're dedicated mm -hmm. to and when you are present and you are saying yes to the right things then you can you can actually act that out because you're saying yes to it because it means you you've, you value it and uh and that is important mm -hmm. yeah 100 percent. where do you feel like this value comes from where you care about relationships above all else where does that stem from it, it, it's evolved over the years 
when looking at what differentiates us as a business and knowing that creating the business and, and creating it based on a lot of my core values, but not realizing it at first. Like these, these set of values weren't written in stone right when the business opened up. It's what makes us different. And, and when we ask our members who come in, what sets us apart or what do you notice? The first thing that I think, if you ask members, if you know they didn't hear this and you ask them, they'd say, every trainer knows my name. You know, it sounds like cheers, but every, you know, you come <laughs> in and everyone, that, that's the goal. We don't, it's, it's something that's important. And, but it's not something that we're like, we need to do it because it's a value. It's something that we just, we do because mm. inherently it's important to us. So I, I think for me, I probably get it a lot from my parents. I definitely get it a lot from my parents, you know, uh, being present when, when speaking to someone, making eye contact, making sure that they know that you are, that the individual you're speaking to is the most important thing at the time, important person at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that that's important for what we do because they're the, the fitness industry. There's a lot of competition. And if you don't have something that differentiates yourself, I mean, true for every business, then, you know, you, you're not, you're not going to stand out. And there are a lot of other businesses, which with much larger budgets, um, that have different models and you know higher volume that we can't we can't do it a smaller volume business mm-hmm. and also you know the roots of this stem from athletic training and the most fun i had when i was playing football was our summer training programs or our off-season training programs where you train with friends on the team or friends on other teams and that to me was mm-hmm. that was a highlight of the week you know you'd all get together you'd hang out there was something about it and that's where when i was in personal training it was missing that that mm-hmm. aspect one on one, I mean, it's it's great, yeah. but if you've got a group of people, the energy is just higher. You know, conversations are more fun. <laughs> you know, it's you can go to a bar with one other person, but when you have a group of people, you know, it sets <laughs> the ambiance a little more. Totally, yeah, totally. I think the fact that you were able to establish this culture without necessarily naming the values is probably indicative of them being so instilled in you and choosing the right people. I think having the right people that live out the things day in and day out and that you don't have to teach those things to I think that's a really important part of creating a strong team yeah I, I, that's, a, that's a good point I mean you can't teach people how to value relationships they either do or they don't right. it's, a, it's a personality I don't know if you'd say skill it's a personality attribute that mm-hmm. someone either has or doesn't know they have yet <laughs> yeah exactly There are so many good things about group fitness, like you just said, like the energy and there's something about working out in a group of people, Mm -hmm. but there are also some downsides to group fitness for sure. What do you think is one of like the biggest mistakes that you see people make when they step into a group fitness environment? Participants or or business owners? Participants Participants. is what I'm thinking of clients. Yeah, right, right. I, I think the individual's ego gets in the way. Worrying about what other people think, worrying about failing, worrying about all of these, once you get into it and you participate, you realize aren't that important. So it's those initial steps, which is also coincidentally the, the biggest barrier to entry for a, a new business. A new, so someone coming into a new fitness business, like meeting a new group of friends or getting into grade nine or going to university, <laughs> that big step, right? Yeah. Like just the fear of, of, of unknown and on all of, our personal insecurities that sort of you think are going to be far worse. So I think mm-hmm. ego is just the, the easiest way to sum that up. And, and that is the biggest mistake someone makes is thinking that they either aren't fit enough to work out, which I always equate to. That's like saying, you know, you can't swim and therefore you can't go in the water. Some, at some point you have to learn how to do it. So mm-hmm. 
if you can make someone feel comfortable, help them feel comfortable. I don't think you can ever make someone feel comfortable, but if you can, you know, lay out the groundwork that someone feels like it's an inclusive environment, we're looking out for your best interests, mm-hmm. that's that's the best you can do. And then eventually that individual has to take it on themselves and, and, uh, and you know, not worry about what other people think. But mm-hmm. it's easier said than done, right? Totally, totally. We have such a, te- we're, we're so nervous about what other people think. It's so interesting. I don't know I don't know where that stems from I guess it's just from our like people need to feel like they belong Mm -hmm. right and people want to feel safe so I guess it I guess it comes from that and the fear that we won't in a new space potentially or even in an old space like I see trainers who have been in fitness forever walk into a class and they still have egos you know about things they're still nervous about oh what if you know what if they think I'm not lifting enough or whatever (laughs) I haven't done enough of this it's just so interesting how how that's our tendency and some people it's it's stronger than others some people you know you can you just you get a feeling that that's maybe that's not the biggest thing that's holding them back right it could it could be that person's biggest mistake might be accountability over committing let's say mm-hmm. doing something but why someone is so scared of what other people think i think it's just it's ingrained in us i don't know if it's some a societal thing i'm sure there's there is an explanation for this in some <laughs> sure. textbook somewhere uh so i'm i'm completely speculating on it but yeah. i it's definitely it's definitely palpable and it's and you know you for the fitness business group classes that's a tough thing if you go if you get into a really big class where there's mm-hmm. just so many people mm-hmm. you know it, it's not as intimidating because you don't feel like you're standing out as much but if it's at a certain size anonymous. exactly true. yeah yeah exactly you just sort of fit in yeah that's so true yeah so i guess that's the balance that you have to find with a smaller group fitness space of how do we make people feel comfortable and also you know make everyone feel seen, right? Mm-hmm. Like feel seen in the best way. Right. The yeah. Idea. yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. What else do you feel like sets fuel apart from other spaces? You know, cause we've, we've talked about the values quite a bit and it's, yeah. I think the, the training program that we have is we're somewhere in between what you would do in a boot camp, which might be limited equipments and some, something that you do in advanced training, like Olympic lifting or powerlifting or, you know, let's say CrossFit. So we fit somewhere in the middle. There aren't a lot of barbell places that aren't deemed serious, you know, ath- you know for athletes. Um, and there aren't a lot of, I'd say, barbell places as well that do sort of the athletic or circuit training mm-hmm. that we do. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's an athletic style of training for fitness enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. So for us, I think just if you haven't trained, one of the toughest parts is if you were to put that in an elevator pitch, right, is if you haven't experienced boot camp training or athletic training then it's new regardless but now especially it's getting more so now uh, you're seeing obviously with uh, a lot of the big chains coming into toronto more people are getting exposed to non-big box gyms so mm-hmm. when you step out of the the good life or equinox model and you go into to group classes and you see that there's different training methodologies and uh, people are now they have something to compare to so for us it's really that athletic style training for fitness enthusiasts if you were to look at the actual, you know, service that we offer. Yeah. It's a little bit of everything. I love your guys' workouts. They're so fun. thank you. Yeah. (laughs) I love them too. I'm a fan. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. Greg, what are, what are some of the things that you're personally working on right now? Like what are some of the goals that you have for yourself? Time management. What you asked before is like, how do you manage all of these things? I think just finding a system to manage time effectively and, and, resource allocation to what's most important that is right now it's uh you know as i said before time valuing valuing that for sure and making sure that 
for family, like there's time for me to be at home yeah. with, with my kids, my wife, and then we do an annual family cottage trip. And we don't, you know, normally I have a sister and, and uh, niece and nephew and brother-in-law who live in the Cayman Islands. That's when they come up, right? They come up once a year. So obviously couldn't come up this year. And I think when you realize that that one trip a year is, is gone, how do you make that up? So for me, it is very much time management and figuring out how the fitness business side of it can fit into the, the personal side of it. I mean, everyone talks about work-life balance. There was a system before and now it's just figuring out how to make it work. Rather than having all these years of buildup before opening a gym, you have to figure out now it's sort of a sink or swim type environment. Yeah, totally. Do you have any final thoughts or things to add before we wrap up today? I hope that I didn't come across sounding too pessimistic about the uncertainty <laughs> of the fitness industry so. and maybe life in general. Yeah, I, I try to be as realistic as possible with it. And, and uh, I think it's just with uncertainty. Like, And, and as you said, I'm, I'm data-driven. So without real data to support what is going to happen, it's, you know, you're just sort of collecting things as it goes, you know. Is it safe to touch a surface? Is it safe to breathe in air? Is it safe? You know, all of these things that aren't part of the business model, but inherently in a space like this, they are. So, you know, for me, it's the the uncertainty. I think everyone has a little bit of, of fear of, of not knowing, but I think, you know, in the outset, it, it is going to work out. It's just a matter of navigating there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think it came across pessimistic. I think it came across real and like there's a lot of shit going on right now. And especially for a business owner, this is unprecedented territory. Of course, you know, of course you feel unsure. And I think that's just uh, that's just how it's going to be for the next little while. We'll have to see how things pan out. But good luck with fuel. I'm sure you guys are going to be good. (laughs) You know, like I said, I'm a big fan. So, um, you know, I'm really hopeful that the things will work out and you'll navigate and you know, I know you took a big pivot to go online and it just, that shows that there's a lot of resiliency here and a lot of good people. So, well, thank you. I hope to mm-hmm. see you at DTS and one online or in-person yeah. <laughs> environment. Yeah. yeah. Um, if people want to learn more about fuel, check out classes online or in person, learn more about you, where can they go to do that? Uh, fueltrainingclub.ca, the website and fuel training club on Instagram. And then for me on Instagram, it's greg.hetherington. Perfect. Thanks so much, Greg. Thanks, Casey. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast this week, guys. I hope that everybody enjoyed that episode. Remember, we release a new episode every Monday morning, so always be on the lookout for those. Make sure that you hit subscribe. I also really appreciate all the ratings and reviews. They really mean a lot to me. Even better, if you have someone in your life that you think would benefit from hearing the messages and the topics that we're discussing in this podcast, please share the show with them. It helps spread the word about how do you feel. If you want to follow along with me and my journey, you can follow me on Instagram at CaseyMZav. Or you can find the podcast website, HowDoYouFeelPodcast.com. That's all I have for you this week, guys. Make sure that you get out there and do something that makes you feel good today. 